Welcome to the Street Spirituality Podcast. Today's guest is Jade Shaw. Jade Shaw is an absolute expert on astral projection. She completely and utterly blew my mind on more than one occasion, and I'm sure she's going to blow yours too. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one. Thank you. Okay, three, two, one. Jade Shaw. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. That's okay. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. You're welcome. I'm fascinated by what you do, astral travel. Um, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, where no, do we mo- start? Most people don't, or if they have heard of it, it might have been um, maybe by or through a scary story, um, like a movie or something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, astral travel is basically a self-initiated out-of-body experience. So what is an out-of-body experience? It is when a part of our self-awareness or self-consciousness is able to shift away from the physical body and then view things at a distance and seem to travel to other places beyond space and time, let's say. So if I were to have one right now, two things would happen. The first is I would have a sensation of leaving the physical body. So this might feel like floating, sinking back. Um, Just pull this a little bit. Closer? Yeah. So it might feel like floating, sinking back, shooting out, but there's a feeling of shifting out. And this is usually preceded by what's known as the vibrational state, which is kind of lots of sensory sounds and perceptions that we might hear. So internally, it might be kind of intracranial sounds, like we're in a vacuum, or there might be certain sensations in the body with energy moving it might feel like basically like we're moving physically but we're not actually moving our physical body so this often happens before but not everybody gets that but it is quite common then we have what's called the exit or separation I don't really like that because we're not fully separating our consciousness otherwise we'd be dead so it's just a facet of our self-awareness that seems to shift out and then I might even be able to turn around and look at my physical body from a distance so if I came out in this room I could come out here and then move to the corner of the room and I could see us having a conversation except I probably wouldn't be having a conversation because usually we are lying down we're deeply relaxed we are not engaging we're not eating or walking or talking usually there's no awareness of the physical body whatsoever so we go into an altered state effectively and then from that altered state our self-awareness appears to shift out So the two defining factors is a sense of separation and then traveling perception or self-awareness. Nothing is being sensed in the physical body. So if you were to touch me, I would come back to my body in effect. So we're expanding beyond the physical boundaries. Put simply. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So many questions in my head. Right. So yes. Is there a limit to how far we can travel from our body? Um, Well, this is also an interesting question because in and out body experience, it's actually really hard to stay out. Most people's first experience is a few moments or it is... It's either a few moments or it seems really long, depending on a powerful experience or whether it's just a mundane feeling of coming out and going back. So when we come out, say we feel like we've travelled to different places, 
um, we can go, we can get too emotional. This is what usually brings us back. We get too scared or too excited. And when that happens, we just come back instantaneously. So is there an actual distance that we're traveling or is the distance an illusion? And do we feel like we're traveling a distance because we are habitually day to day travel in a physical body and we feel like we need to move around through our physical body place to place. So then we experience traveling in the exact same way because we can just come back. And I know there's a lot of um, maybe some fear around, oh, am I going to go too far? Am I going to come back to my physical body? Um, Or you can come back to your physical body like that. No matter where you are. No matter where you are. But also um, how we experience time goes out the window. So we might feel like we've been out for ages. In actual fact, we haven't been out that long because there's no way of tracking time. The only way we can track time is sequentially. I was here and then I went there. I flew out the window. I dropped down. I went out into the cosmos. This is the only way we can track time. It's not like we feel like we have a watch or it's been 10 minutes. Mm. So that kind of goes out the window. And there is a this is an art form, this is a skill. You can develop this, or is it a, you know, a given talent that people have? Um, it, anyone can experience it, and anyone can develop the ability to be able to do it as well. So when we do this, some people have them spontaneously, and some people have them spontaneously since being a child, and then other people cultivate a self-initiated practice, which is what I teach, and we see this through different cultures. The Tibetan Buddhists have been able to do this for ages. Um, well, they have it as a practice within a set of practices called dream yoga, one of which is out-body experience practice. The ancient Mexican Toltecs had it as a practice as well. So it can be self-initiated and that can be trained and learned. And then we can have what are called forced out-of-body experiences. And some of your listeners might understand this more because they probably heard of it as a near-death experience. So if someone has an accident, they can find themselves coming out of the body. For example, when I was first started doing this work and I started to talk about it, I was at the hairdressers and the hairdressers asked the impending question, okay, so um, what do you do? And then I'm sat there thinking, should I just say, I teach mindfulness or, you know, meditation? I thought, no, do you know what? I'm going to stand in my truth. I've had this experience This is real for me. It happens to people all over the world. It's normal as well. I'm just going to say. So I said to her, well, it's a little bit alternative. She gives me the side eye. Okay, what what is it then? I said, well, I teach a practice called out-of-body experiences or astral projection. And she says, oh, is that like in a near-death experience where you feel a sensation of coming out of the physical body? And I said, yeah, sometimes it can be part of a near-death experience. So she says, oh, that's what my granddad used to have. He was in an accident, a car accident when he was young and he saw his brother run down the street and he said that he got up out of the car and ran down the street after his brother but he felt something was wrong so he turned around and he saw his physical body at a distance from when he came out of the car so he said he swears to this day he came out of his physical body he ran down the road and he is straight as a lace non-religious guy whatsoever Uh, but she said he swears to this day that he came out of his body so I was like yes that's an out-of-body experience Thank you for not ridiculing me or judging me or, you know, as you sometimes people can do without realising. So um, so we can have a forced out body experience. There are three different types. So anyone can learn how to do it. And then once you're in it, control it? 
that this is the second stage. Okay. So yeah, it can be quite difficult to navigate at first, and it depends on how much we can control our own emotions, which can often bring us back if we get overwhelmed. Mm. And it also depends on how well we act in our behaviour when we are outside of the physical body. So, for example. If I come out into an environment I might interpret as negative or even positive, I might have an emotional reaction and then I'll be back in my body. So I teach something called the RAIN technique, which is a mindfulness approach to astral projection. And this is R is for recognize. So just recognize where we are out of the body. Okay, I'm here in this room. And then A is accept where I am. So I'm going to accept that I'm in this place. I'm going to accept that I'm here. And accept doesn't mean endorse. So the doctor, if he's going to treat you, he has to accept that you're ill before he can treat you. So I'm accepting the situation doesn't mean I endorse it. And then I is investigate. So, okay, I'm here. There's a poster on the wall. Um, there's a gentleman in front of me. There's black curtains. So I'm investigating with curiosity because if we are a little bit anxious in our mind when we're traveling, if we shift that anxiety to curiosity, we can't be anxious at the same time. And this is what mindfulness teacher Clive Holmes says. If you can shift from that lane of fear into lane of curiosity, so we step into the inner child, then that can allow us to be in this experience experience for longer so eyes investigate and then n is non-attachment so don't start attaching labels beliefs uh narrative stories over the top of what is happening uh, so an example of this could be if three different people had an out-of-body experience right now and all three saw a loving presence in a white light coming towards them They'd interpret it in three different ways based on their conditioning. So religious conditioning, for example, a Christian might interpret it as Jesus, a pagan, maybe the goddess Diana, uh, an atheist might just see a loving white light presence. So they'll each interpret it through their own filters of what they expect to see based on how they've been brought up in their life experience effectively. So if we can just accept what's there, attach no labels and be with it, then I think we can see the truth of what is genuinely there. And sometimes it's actually an extension of ourself and sometimes it could be something other. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I know there's a lot of information there. No, it's super, super interesting. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm trying to take it all in. <laughs> I forgot what your original question was. I think I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I... So as a shamanic practitioner, a lot of the work I do is in trance state or, or yeah. alternate states. Um, and uh, I see a lot of parallels between journeying, shamanic journeying, yeah. and also astral traveling. Mm, yeah. um, and But not so much in the terms of having out-of-body experiences and looking into the body, but literally going somewhere else, whether you know the shamanic belief is the lower world or the upper world or whichever world yeah. you, you, you want to go to, a different realm. Um, but sometimes also this this one, you know, this life and, and navigating and also through time and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, have you had much experience with shamanic journeying and is there a difference that you what are the differences between that and astral traveling yeah so i had a shamanic wedding and i've done a few shamanic journeys and also plant medicine journeys which is uh, slightly different depending on the means of which we uh, 
activate the journey. Um, but yeah, so there are some differences. But I think what can happen with the term out-of-body experience in particular is that any state that we go into that feels like it's not of the body can often be called deemed an out-of-body experience for example if I feel a bit floaty now and I feel a bit whoa I might say oh I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience but but I'm not so I think sometimes we can get mistaken for any transcendent experience or any experience that isn't of the physical body as an out-of-body experience so for example lucid dreaming also when we wake up within a dream state and we know we're dreaming and everything seems 3D and real and we can go on a journey so there's that there's shamanic journey in where the shaman brings us into an altered state and helps co-create a reality maybe we go through the forest down into a cave and then there's something there that we encounter uh, same with um, daydreaming say if we we daydream and we have an epiphany or an idea so all of these are altered states and so for me the difference is or some similarities are all of these are rivers leading to the same ocean. So they all tap into altered states of reality, uh, some say a greater consciousness, and we're able to retrieve wisdom from that. So that's the similarity. The difference is that all of these different practices have different signs and symbols. So one I would say is I don't leave my physical body. I don't feel like I am stepping out from my physical body when I have a shamanic journey. I feel like it's more like Jungian's active imagination. So I'm taken into the altered state um, with the shaman and he's guiding something uh, where I might go through a forest into a different place. And at first it's just imagination, right? So it's just imagination, but then it starts to take a life on its own. And rather than me leading the imagination, it feels like... It's, it's got a life of its own. And then within that, characters might come out and they have seem to have their own conscious autonomy, their own will, and I can receive information from that. With an out-of-body experience, um, you're not, you don't go out into a, a kind of a, a mystical land or a mystical world. You just come out into this reality right now. So what we might deem objective reality. Depends what you think reality is. But um, say this reality now, I would feel a shift out of my body, very physical, uh, with lots of vibrations, sounds beforehand. It feels like um, Velcro peeling away from my body, for example, almost like glue, kind of like a kind of feeling. And then I would be able to go and see what Joe next door is saying in his conversation and then come back and I'd be saying, well, Joe next door is having this conversation. So we can go out and we're going out into this objective reality. However, <laughs> it depends what reality we go into. And this can get quite complicated. So I'm going to give an example of what Robert Monroe said, who was one of the first people to write about this academically. And he invented uh, the Monroe Institute, which is the le world's leading organisation for the research about body experiences. So he said in the early days, there are three locales, locale one, which is objective reality here and now. And this is where you get your verified and evidence experiences. Like in mine, I was able to get a door number and then I went and found the house and it was the same door number in my experience. But then you can have what are like overlapping layers of reality. And this is where we uh, go out into objective reality, but then there seems to be either an overlap of things that are not quite the same. So they're not quite the same, but they're different. A lot of people say this is kind of like what the astral planes are like, like it's a duplicate reality. So 95% of everything is the same as objective reality, but something will be slightly different. Uh, it could be like the walls are different or you come out into your street, everything in the street's the same, but it's the Victorian era 
for some reason. It's uh, There's weird overlaps of different realities. And then, so that's locale two. Locale three is where you might go to places that are not of this world with different cultures, even different physics. Um, so there are places that are above and beyond and not really relatable. So you can see where then there might be overlaps with some of the environments that they go to in shamanism, like the upper, the lower worlds um, and present day reality as well. Uh, but I wrote an essay on this, the differences between shamanism and, oh, and astral projection. And um, it was said that near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences inspired shamanic journey in as a way to try and get back to those experiences because i actually believe we can have an out-of-body experience from a shamanic journey we can springboard out let's say mm-hmm. um from that experience because it's an altered state so we can have an out-of-body experience from any altered state effectively even women that are in pregnancy can uh, have an out-of-body experience. That's often reported. So they're in labour and they have an out-of-body experience. Same with a panic attack. Panic attacks can put us into an altered state and then we can have an out-of-body experience from that. But these ones are usually really short-lived. They're very momentarily because it's coming from a place of survival and fear usually. So we kind of shoot out and then we come back in hmm. straight away. Are you familiar with the idea of soul loss, the shamanic idea of soul loss? Yes. Yeah, so um, the way I was taught soul loss is just before a very traumatic time in, in your life. Yeah. Let's say a car crash, for example, you'll, part of you will jump out of your body in an attempt to preserve it. Mm. Um, and sometimes you're not able to bring that part back. So it's like you have a, a leak in your soul and the shaman's job would be to bring that part back. Yeah. So. Have you found that, that it's a type of, it can be in these traumatic instances, this, this idea of self-preservation? And mm. is it the soul that jumps out when, you're, when we're doing astral traveling or is it something else for you? It depends what you mean by soul. So um, I know in the theosophical uh, viewpoint and the spiritual viewpoint, they would say um, the soul doesn't come out in out-of-body experience because if it did, we we would be dead because it's the entirety of our being, let's say. But they would say the spirit comes out, which is our self that can travel around, our collective psychological of who we think we are, ideas and beliefs. That's what kind of travels out. Um, I like to think of at the moment that put very simply that um, spirit would be mind and soul is pure consciousness so this idea that uh, our part of our consciousness is coming out so yes maybe our spirit and then it is is coming back so I wouldn't say it was the soul because I think then we would be dead but I see what you're saying with um, a part of ourself might kind of leave let's say during a traumatic event because um, I don't think consciousness is as solid or consistent as let's say in a lot of the religious texts when they talk about the soul I actually think it could be quite fragmented and it you know what is to hold us together in one place of point in space and time the physical body and then we receive reality through the five senses so if we don't have the physical body or we seem to shift away from that how what is there to hold our sense of self together and often it's usually like the essence of our habits or the core things that we have done in life might kind of hold us together. I'm going a little bit into Buddhism now, (laughs) into kind of mindfulness. It's those things that give us a stability sense of self. So when we have an out-of-body experience, we are still a self that can travel. Um, But I think we can encounter elements of our own psyche that 
I don't know if I would say have split or have gone away, but as certainly seem connected to ourself and then we can reintegrate them back, which seems very reflective of some of the shamanic stuff. Hmm. Yeah. As an example, we call them thought forms. So if I'm having an out-of-body experience, I see something coming towards me. Most people think everything in the OBE is separate and is, is something else. It's another spirit. It's another entity. It's something other. And sometimes it is. And the OBE is the... Um, so I'm in an out-of-body experience already. Oh, sorry. OBE, out-of-body experience. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Didn't yeah. make that, yeah. Not Order of the British Empire. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> OBE is short for out-of-body experience. Yeah. So I'm in the out-of-body experience. I see something and it's coming towards me. And yeah, most people think it's a separate from myself. Sometimes it is, I think. Um, but sometimes it can be a personified manifestation of something from our own psyche that we need to integrate in some way or have an encounter and connection with. There's a famous one that William Buhlman talks about, who's the lead trainer at the Monroe Institute. And I think he writes about this in his book, Adventures Beyond the Body. Um, I don't usually scare it cause, share it because it sounds really scary, but I've said it now. So. Uh, so he had an instance where he found himself in a corridor and he heard some footsteps coming up from a doorway. And he was petrified, held to the spot. And then he saw at the end of the doorway this figure. It didn't look um, it didn't look human. It was slightly animalistic and he was really scared. But he held his spot. Instead of going, oh my gosh, that is not me. It's something out to get me. He held his spot and stayed where he was. And it walked towards him and he just let it come towards him. And it, as soon as it hit him, it dissolved away. It kind of... Uh, disapparated I think I made that word up um, but yeah kind of disapparated into thin air and so this is an example of I think it's something from and he says this it was something from his own self now he doesn't know what that was from where it came from if it was a part of trauma or if it was something manifested from his state of mind but he felt that it was from himself as opposed to something else that was particularly coming at him and mm. I've I've had something similar where I came out in an experience and um, I just had irrational fear. Sometimes we have fear for no reason. It's just irrational. I think it's because the ego is freaking out because it thinks it's going to die <laughs> or it's going to change. So it's usually the ego. And so I had an irrational fear. And as soon as I had the irrational fear, there was a presence behind me. And instantaneously I knew the presence was going to come towards me but I also knew it was manifested from my own mind because we're in a thought responsive environment when we get away from objective realities so it came towards me and I dropped into love a feeling of gratitude a being uh, I dropped into my heart space and then it just dissolved away and I knew that that was directly linked to my self-sabotage. So I have a pattern of self-sabotage that I work with. And because I'd instantly got fearful for no reason, I knew because I recognized the feeling and the signs that it was my self-sabotage. So this energy that had come up was a personification of my self-sabotage coming to self-sabotage. It wasn't something separate. So there's this idea of that yeah. within this, the, the traveling, there's symbolism and that plays out. And that's similar to Jung's active imagination and also shamanic journeying, you know, yeah. like this, you know, famous one of the horse, which is the, you know, your primal psyche. And lots of people get visions of horses being stuck inside a room that's too small, Yeah, you know. Um, so you can work with this on a therapeutic level. Yeah. 
So, so, so I talk a lot about in my weekend workshop about shadow integration through out-of-body experiences. So if anyone's not sure what shadow integration is, it's what Jung said. Everybody has. It's normal. We've all got a shadow. And the shadow is anything we have suppressed, denied or disowned about ourselves. Usually things we don't like, linked to shame or guilt or fear, but could also be our innate creativity and potential because it's anything we've suppressed. So, for example, if I was a little girl and a parent or authority figure said to me, Jade, you're a terrible singer. Stop singing right now. Never sing again. I might suppress that as a child. So as an adult in my shadow, I could have the potential for an amazing singer, but I'm not looking towards it or embracing that because of the trauma I've had around it. So in an OBE, we can directly have contact with elements of our shadow, what I think are sometimes thought forms, and then we can integrate that and heal that aspect of ourself. And Jung said through doing this, it is one way in which the psyche makes itself whole. And it's only when we have that wholeness that our full potential can come forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have you experienced or seen that when someone is in one of these altered states, what they do in that altered state has an active, um, it can actively change the reality that they walk around in day to day. So, uh, you know, on a physical level as well, you know, if I went in an astral state and I knocked that cup over ah. and came back, you know, what, how does that translate to, to this reality? Yeah, it depends. It depends on what reality you've exited into in the OBE state. Like I talked about those three locales. I mean, Robert Monroe says there's now over like 49 different what he calls focus levels now. Uh, but it depends what reality in objective reality um, we generally most experiences are you can't interact because it's it's separate to some degree from our own mind so we can't interact with it whereas in a lucid dream you could change anything so you could go there's a beach behind me now turn around and there's a beach you, I, you know I can manifest things out of my hand but in an out-body experience you can't change the environment you can't manifest things so usually you can't interact your hand goes straight through the wall or the window i don't like using this term but a little bit ghost-like <laughs> we tend to be but then i think it's some people have had different experiences in what they call the astral planes which are more subjective dimensions perhaps mm. yeah so interesting i know so interesting i'm not surprised you you're fascinated by it yeah i just think it's amazing because I mean, this is, I just think it, it's evidence in a way that we are more than matter and we're more than mind and we're infinitely bigger than we think we are and we are more powerful than our physical body. So and I think a lot of people have some sort of realisation on that level to some sort of scale and then that's why often people have had experiences it really impacts their self-growth and sometimes their life trajectory so for my master's degree I'm looking at the transformative effects of the out-body experience and how it impacts someone's life after they've had one and this is what you find they'll have a powerful experience they'll retain some wisdom from an encounter that they've had an insight a realization an epiphany they'll be told something they'll come back and then they won't be a completely different person. Their core personality traits are still there, but something has shifted beyond that. And then that has trickled down into their personality, their sense of self, and then their behavior. And then that's affected parts of their life. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of the? I guess it's a conspiracy theory of、um, the idea that we are all this is a simulation. Yeah. Do you think that that idea because it's prevalent? Yeah. You know, and it, it it's shared by you know loads of different cultures. Yeah. Generally, the more modern ones, I think. But、uh, do you think that that is something left over in the collective unconscious from this idea that you know you can journey? You can astral travel, and it's a it's a similar idea in the case that you, you your body is 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 in one place and、mm. your reality is in a different place, and it's not the only reality. Yeah, so there's a few theories on out of body experiences. This is one of them,、uh, simulation theory.、Uh, so Tom Campbell, who's in the documentary that I make as have made. He talks about this. So he's an ex NASA physicist, and he says when we have an out of body experience, we are shifting data streams. So we are currently in one now. I need to get this right. This is very complicated <laughs> simulation theory. But in essence, to make it simple, it's you are shifting your awareness or frequency, let's say, and we're shifting and tuning into another reality. Through an altered state, and he calls it shifting data streams. So then we connect with other realities that could be coinciding to here and now, and that's not dissimilar to. It's probably linked to string theory as well, where they have like you know we experience、uh, three dimensions of reality: length,、uh, width, space, and time. But then we're limited through the body and the five senses. That's all we can take in. But then we can shift beyond that. To experience going to, they say like I think it's something like five and six are different worlds, and then six or seven are different worlds with different cultures, and then seven,、uh, eight, and nine go into like really crazy worlds with、uh, completely different physics. So there might be no gravity in one world, for example, and that we can shift between these when we are entering the out of body state. So that's why some worlds look like this. But there's slight differences, so that would be like the fifth dimension, maybe or sixth, and then we can go to other worlds, and then to places, or even just spaces, because there seems to be no physicality to some of these environments. We could just be in, you know, what, one of them is what we call the void, which is just a, a a black place of nothingness. But because it's nothingness, it's also the potential for everything. Um, and we, they talk about things like this in Tibetan Buddhism as well. But you could shift into places like that. There's a really cool scene in Doctor Strange <laughs> where he goes through all of these different environments. Some seem objective, some seem subjective, and some seem intersubjective with other beings. And I always show it because I always think it's a really nice way of looking at all the different places we might be able to go into through an out-of-body experience. Yeah, it's a good film, Doctor Strange. Yes, I like that one. It is. It's a good one. Yeah.、Um, Okay, I'm with. I think I'm with you. I, <laughs> I, 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 I get it. It's so. You know, my, is there a way? Do you reckon to harness this idea? So you know what you've said. So you can leave your body, and you can have the potential to do things that your body is unable to do at its current state.、Mm-hmm. So that could be from experiencing dreams. You know, I always wanted to be a rock star. You know, could I div- go into this reality where suddenly I'm headlining a stadium and and live that experience for myself? Or on another frame, if if I am、uh, in an accident and I lose the ability to walk, can I spend time living out my desires in this altered state? 
So, so mm. I guess that links to the therapeutic sides, but is there a way that mm. we can, we can do this? That's a really good question. I think it comes down to a lot of things. So in a lucid dream, absolutely. In a lucid dream, you can just go, I'm a rock star now. And you're dressed like a rock star and you can go, I'm, I'm put me on a stadium. I'm on a stadium now. And then you have all the audience in a stadium. So it's, it's very quick because it's your own mind that you're creating these things from. When we go out of body, it seems like we are perceiving the world through the lens of our own mind. But there's other forces at work, I think. We're stepping beyond the boundaries of our own mind, for example, in a lucid dream. And we are going into other places that could be already existing so do we have that power within ourselves to completely change what is there if it might be there external from our own psyche linked with our own psyche but could operate its own means without us being there so I I haven't had the experience of going and doing just making I have in lucid dreams but not in an out-of-body experience so that's something I don't know but would be interesting to find out what I know we can do is have intentions where the environments can respond to that so I teach having a strong motivation that's meaningful and then an intention of something we would like to go do for some people it could meet a loved one who has passed away it could be to discover who they truly are it could be to overcome any limitations that they feel that they may have and they can have that as a strong intention and when someone has an out-of-body experience when they exit into the environment I sometimes find the environment is reflective of the intention that they would like to have and sometimes it's not what they expect because we can have an expectation of oh I'm gonna go out of body and have this um, either meaningful experience or I might go out of body and have a terrifying experience but actually it can be what we come into contact with can be more profound more bigger than our perception of what could happen to us in an OBE mm. an example of this is one of my case studies um, was at, found himself out of body and he decided he wanted to meet God <laughs> bit of a biggie okay, <laughs> while so you're he, there you I, may as well you may as well um and he he's out of body he'd had an out of body experience before he knew what it was he recognized the state and he said um i want to meet god and he'd been on this journey for a little while already and back in his body he was back um and he says it feels like it almost was like access denied and he's he's the way he made sense of it was, I don't know if I wasn't ready to experience God, if it was possible to experience the um, love and potential of God. I don't know if it was just something that says computer says no <laughs> at this moment in time. But it was interesting that we can get a response from the wider collective, the universe. Something responds, a higher self, who knows. But... I don't know whether we can literally shape some of the environments that are outside. Hmm. Okay. Mm. There's lots of real ancient stories and, and some sort of modern ones too of you know, shape-shifting. People should be able to shape-shift, especially in the shamanic world of you know, real yeah. master shamans being able to turn into a fox or turn into an eagle and soar great dist distances. And these are often um, you know, from accounts from witnesses. Do you have any experience in, you know, when you're running these workshops and, and, and being able to see pe people come out of their body or is it a subjective experience from the person who is leaving? 
Yeah. I haven't seen anyone come out of their physical body, but there's been reports that other people have. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in a workshop, but I know that Robert Monroe came out of his body and he'd said to a friend of his he was going to go visit them out of body. And when she saw him, he was kind of like an energy mass. So almost like a shapeless form in the corner of the room. And she saw him and she got a bit scared and he sent she was getting scared. But she did ask, is that you, Robert? Obviously, there's no way for him to say that. So he just left and then he confirmed that, yes, I did come um, to you that night. And it was me. Uh, so some people have had these experience of seeing, but not... I wouldn't say not in the moment. And so loads of people have tried to film themselves. I have a friend, Todd Akamesis, and um, he's got the whole camera set up. He's another teacher in London. And he's trying to film himself coming out of body and maybe moving something in the room. And it oh, hasn't good. hasn't happened yet, I don't think, unless he's done it recently. Wow, that would break the internet. Yeah. That would be amazing. I'm, like, I wonder, with the shamanic, because there's the same thing in Tibetan Buddhism where the, the um, masters have been seen flying through the sky and have come out of their body mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm wondering what you know we can really go quantum physics on this so because it, we assume that the reality that we're in right now is the one that we are experiencing day to day and it has to be because our sense of self is here it can't be anywhere else apart from here at least in a relative way that we experience the world but when other people have seen them fly through the sky is it not maybe for example <laughs> This is going a bit woo-woo, okay? So I'm all about the woo-woo. All about worry. the woo-woo. I usually try and stay away from it because <laughs> I spend so long trying to defend this practice <laughs> that I stay away from the woo-woo. But yeah, we're going. You don't need to do that. We're going yeah. there. <laughs> like, if I were to have an out-of-body experience now and seem to go into a different world and encounter people there and fly through the sky and then come back to my body, no one has seen me here, have they? But yet, in this other world, assuming it exists objectively, Apart from myself, those people have seen me come out of my physical body in that world. So within that world, how I can't even I can't even explain what I'm comprehending. Can they that's where the stories could have come from. So are we witnessing when we see shamans flying through the sky, a shaman from this reality or are they from a different reality coming into ours and then we see them? Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's really hard to explain. No, I, yeah, it's a good question. I think um well, first of all, no one really fucking yeah, knows, do they? Nobody so knows. Let's, uh, it, it, it's just speculation. Yeah. Probably both, and probably maybe a million more explanations. Yeah. Um, which is part of the fun, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I think experimentation is so important. And I talk a lot about discernment, not just believing everything we see and recognizing our own belief system and interpretations that make meaning of the experiences. You know, is what we are seeing actually the truth of the experience when we've tried to make sense of it to ourselves, Or have we put a story and a narrative around it? So I think it's important to be discerning and actually question, even, dare I say, take the scientific viewpoint of, well, okay, let's do several more experiments or attempts and see what comes back. It's interesting with science and quantum physics, especially. It's like I get the feeling that it's gonna, it's like gone so far sciencey, and the shamanism and the woo woo stuff's gone so far over here. But it's sort of coming to the same point where they're gonna be like, yeah. oh, actually, we were really talking about the same thing, and all of this stuff is possible. We yeah. just don't really know how to do it, um, or some people do, and we're not looking at it from the right way. 
So you can leave your body. Can somebody <laughs> make you leave your body? So can so you know the the experience is controlled by mm. you to a certain degree. Would it be possible for someone else to control your physical body and to remove you from it? My initial answer um, uh, is no, but you can have help. Mm -hmm. So no one can force you to ever do anything and yeah. no one has that much power over, you know, your own psyche and your own will and it's, it's just not possible, no. But there has been accounts of people being helped out sometimes uh, by what they might see as their guides or an angel or their higher self, depending on how you want to interpret it. But some sort of other being that seems to help us out. It could even be ourselves. You know, if we're talking about different timelines and realities, who, who knows? Um, but other people, as in teachers, like, say, me or somebody else helping somebody else out, um, I've never tried uh, but but some people have reported it, but then the teacher hasn't had any recollection of it. So is the teacher having an experience where they are coming out of their body and they're genuinely helping someone and someone's reported that, but they can't remember? Or does that person believe so much in the teacher that they're making manifest in and out of body experience that them coming to help them and then them helping them out? But actually the teacher hasn't had that incentive. Again, it depends how you want to make sense of what's happening. Yeah. There'll always be a long-winded answer to these <laughs> questions. Because it does depend on a number of factors and, and the way you want to look at it. Yeah. Depends what you think about reality at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Have you done any plant medicines whilst you've been really, uh, you know, like you're an expert in this? Right. Well, I'd say I'm still you know? learning. I've, I'm st always still learning and finding out new things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you're very knowledgeable on the topic. Yeah. I would say. Uh, have you done things like plant medicine and shamanic work since then? And has that altered in any way? Yeah. Um, so I've done five ayahuasca ceremonies. Four was in Peru. One was in the UK. And I think it's. I think all of these are equally as beneficial to each other for different reasons. And people feel called to different practices that resonate with them. Some people it's plant medicine, others it's lucid dreaming, some people it's remote viewing, uh, some people it's out-of-body experiences. So I feel very strongly about the benefits of plant medicine, but I don't think it's for everybody. To do something as powerful as out-of-body experiences and plant medicine, you have to have a strong, stable sense of self because you've got to be willing for that sense of self to be obliterated. <laughs> so if it's already not very stable and your sense of self gets obliterated even further, the recollection of that and the integration of that to coming back to having an integrative experience and being able to get on with, with things afterwards when you come back from it is going to be harder if, for example, you already have severe mental health issues or psychosis. Sometimes it can help, the insights from it, but I don't think that can be uh, beneficial straight away. So I think, uh, I think they're both very powerful. Hmm. But we have to, I think we have to be careful. Like, I don't let anyone do a workshop with me that has severe mental health issues or psychosis. Because yeah. I don't think it's the most helpful point at that time. Maybe in the future, but not for them right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's wise. Um, have you worked with many people who've been in comas? Is there a standpoint on, on that when the, the body is sort of 
is a very docile state but the mind is still working said to be still working you yeah know, there's lots of reports of being people being completely present and being able to hear everything and be there yeah. but has there been any any studies on on astral traveling with within a coma um yes from what i currently know but it's been with near-death experiences Mm -hmm. usually the brain and the mind is uh, the brain and the heart has stopped yet they're able to have these very vivid experiences with a heightened awareness which they shouldn't be able to have if they are in a coma a deep coma or if their brain and the heart has stopped so someone that comes to mind is Eben Alexander who was a neurosurgeon who had a very powerful out-of-body experience as part of a near-death experience which changed his life he wrote the New York bestseller Proof of Heaven he's also in the documentary shameless plug (laughs) and also Anita Morjani who uh, had uh, cancer lesions all over her body she had a powerful out-of-body experience was able to sense certain things Uh, she knew that her brother was on a plane for example to come and visit her and she was able to say correctly lots of different things that were happening and then she came back and she had realizations for her recurring illness and why she got ill and she teaches a lot now on transforming fears so people that are in a let's say a near-death experience have had very powerful out-of-body experiences but just because an OBE is part of a near-death experience, it doesn't mean to say that when we have an OBE, we're dying. It, we're completely safe. The body is fine. It's not the same thing. Because also in a near-death experience, you have things like the tunnel of light, the meeting dead ancestors or people. You also have the life review and then you usually get given a choice. These are the commonalities that people report. So you don't have that in an out-of-body experience, although you can visit the tunnel of light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about alien abduction? Has that come up? Um, this is not yeah, alien abduction is not really my area, so I don't <laughs> know. Firing all the weird things. But you... I, I know that um, William Buhlman talks. A lot, he's spoken at several um, alien conferences uh, about these, and he says when you look at the vibrational state, which is the precursor to the out-of-body experience, and you look at what people report in an alien abduction, they sound very similar. Yeah, well, so. well, they've filmed people who say they get abducted re- regularly. Yeah. And they've offered themselves up and say, well, you know, film me ah. and see. And they haven't gone anywhere, but they've come back and said, I got abducted last night. Did you see? And they've played them the, the footage yeah. and they said, you were staying, you were in bed all night. And they were like, no, and recounted these really vivid yeah. experiences. Yeah. Could it be? I, could, um, I, I think there's a lot to do with the person's belief system. Mm-hmm. I think it also depends on how they make sense of it. So if, if, say, a being does come and help them out of body um, and they just interpret, well, that must be an alien because it's the only thing my mind can draw from to explain this, then, yeah, they they would interpret it as an alien experience. Maybe maybe some of them are for real, you know? I just think the universe is so big statistically on how big the universe is. And I think I remember there was something like, uh, in science, they were saying there are several, you know, Earth-type places in the massiveness of the entire universe. So, of course, there must be some alien life form. Whether it's how it look, how whether it's like in the movies, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I guess it comes down to your point at the beginning of non-attachment and not attaching a name to these experiences and saying, yeah. "Well, you know, this humanoid-like figure came. It must be aliens because I've seen loads of films on it." Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. And the mind and Susan Blackmore, who's a skeptic, she's wrote the book uh, Seeing Myself, The Science of Out-Body Experiences. So she's a skeptic. She thinks it's all in the head and it's the brain constructing a story from memory and imagination. Um, I don't think she's wrong because I think how people interpret them, like we spoke about, is what she's talking about. But some things can be evidenced and verified, so that's where it kind of throws everything into limbo. But that would make sense, that the brain is drawing on what it predicts and it expects. The same with neuroscience. We make sense of the world through what we predict and what we expect to be in front of us. And then that shapes our reality. Um, So I think a lot of that is happening. A lot of time people have alien abductions. But I do think sometimes, I don't know, they could be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wow. difficult it's a difficult one. So people can come to a workshop with you and they can have a they can learn yeah. a lot more about this and potentially have an experience themselves. Yeah. So I teach a, a practice for home. So it's not like I'm going to give someone an experience in the workshop because it's a skill. It mm-hmm. is a skill, like meditation. You know, you try and get someone to focus on a candle, within one second they're already thinking a thought. So it's it's the same thing in terms of we have to be able to focus the mind and we have to be able to cultivate and navigate these experiences. So there's three steps that I teach. The mind-awake-body-asleep state, which is where our body is completely relaxed and at rest to the point ideally where we have full body dissolution, we can't feel it anymore but our mind is awake and aware now most people find this the hardest they just drop asleep so we're trying to be on the cusp of an altered state or what i call the hypnagogic where we are riding the wave of into sleep but we don't fall asleep similar to yoga nidra but not the same and then when we're coming out of sleep the hypnopompic so we're riding what i call the sweet spot the goldilocks conditions not too hot not too cold but we're awake and aware so this this is the altered state i use because we go through it every night so we may as well use it for, you know, enlightening experiences. So mind, awake, body, asleep. Vibrational state, step two, usually comes hand in hand with the mind, awake, body, asleep if we hit the right spot. Otherwise, we can cultivate the vibrational state through varying techniques. For different traditions have done this throughout centuries. And then an exit technique. So I teach several different ways we can exit the body because there is an active process where we have to come out let's say. Uh, So I teach one called the rollout, which is quite famous. Um, Also um, kind of the target technique, which is one where we come out. So there are different ones based on the person. There's kinesthetic techniques, tactile techniques, logical techniques, depending on the person and what works for them. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And do you work one-to-one as well? I used to, but I'm just so busy with my research which I've got to finish by December and also my documentary. So I don't, I haven't got, had enough time yeah, to do. So I had to stop enough. them, but I'm still doing the workshops. So I do like an introductory two hour workshop, a one day workshop, and then a weekend Yeah, where we go a bit more in depth. Wow. And the documentary, yes. what's the plan for that? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's basically just all on how it does it impact someone's life and it really brings it down to earth so aside from all the kind of the woo-woo things actually how does it impact someone's everyday life and how does it shape um their career their relationships their beliefs and things like that so it looks at that but i went around the world and interviewed some of the top people in this area so Eben alexander william buhlman uh, tom campbell um, Graham Nichols. So all of these are people that are big in the out-of-body experience scene because there is one. It's very mm. underground, but 
there is one. And then I interviewed people like Dr. David Luke, who is the psychedelic researcher. Yeah. So I interviewed him about the differences between DMT trips and near-death experience. I uh, love that guy. And yeah, he's so I'm cool. trying to get him on here. Are you? Yeah. He'd be really funny. Yeah, he's, he's really great. Uh, very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. And then like people like Penny Satori, who spent five years researching near-death experiences. So she's on there. So there's lots of different perspectives to look at. Well, what's happening? Why is it happening? And how does it impact people's lives? So that's what it's all about. What an amazing job you've fashioned for yourself. This is... <laughs> um, yeah. It, yeah, wicked. It is amazing. But I wouldn't have been able to do this had I not had my experience. So which is, yeah literally changed my reality yeah talking about what we were saying yeah i can imagine was there one sort of big bang experience that allowed you to that you were like well this is this is way too 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 strong to ignore yeah this is now gonna be what i funnel all of my yeah intention on well it was my first adult one mm -hmm. so i had them since a child and then i stopped having um them when i hit teenager and <laughs> Then I had one, yeah, right? So I had a big one in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to do that again? Yeah, yeah it's a, <laughs> I didn't hear a thing. Okay. It's a so studio I, buzzer. Oh, okay. So I had a big experience in 2004. Do you want me to share it? Or it's quite long. Though. Sure, yeah, if, if you'd like, yeah. Yeah, I can. It's about eight minutes. Okay. Let's do it. I'm a Virgo, so I'm very specific. <laughs> um, okay, so I have to start at the very beginning, but I'll try and keep it short. So when I was really little, I was petrified of the night time. I had to sleep with the landing light on till I was like 18 years old. And this was because at night time, I would have these experiences of my bed shaking back and forth. Sometimes I'd seem to see through my eyelids at the room, even though my eyes were closed. And I'd have these scary sensations in the body or... Uh, I could hear lots of different things. It went on for a while and I got to age about age 10 and I said to my mom, I, we need to do something about this because it was really starting to affect me. And she said, well, maybe we'll take you to the child psychologist, but let's just see how we get on. And then what I realized was when these perceptions and sensations started to happen, I realized if I slowed down my breathing, they would actually subside the experience and it would come to a stop. So that's what I started to do. Fast forward to the future, I'd stop having them and I walk into a bookshop in my 30s and I pick up Robert Monroe's Journeys Out of the Body and I start reading all of these signs and symptoms of the vibrational stage, visual perceptions, intracranial sounds, feel like you're moving, energy running through the body, hearing things. I'm like, oh my God, this is what was happening to me when I was a child. If I'd have surrendered and moved into that experience, would I have had an out-body experience? So that's what I wanted to try and find out. I wanted to really explore what was happening to me as a child. So one night, well, I tried for a month and nothing happened. I'd given it six weeks and I think it was around the sixth week I eventually had an experience. So it takes some time to cultivate. One night I got up to go to the loo, came back to get in bed and I dropped straight into the vibrational state. So I recognized it immediately. I thought, stay calm, surrender to the experience, okay, do an exit technique. And that is a physical vibration. It's a feel it feels like it's physically happening. So when we're talking about, you know, when we talk about the eight, people feel like they've been taken out of the body by aliens and all of that stuff. Like it feels like it's physically happening, like you're really going. It's not in your mind. 
And is it a, yeah. like a fast vibration, almost like your phone vibrates? It can be either. So it, I say the vibrational state's like three cars going up a hill. It could be like you're in an old banger that's chugging up the hill, kind of ricketing here and there, boom, boom, and going, and it's a bit forward and back, forward and back. So it can be quite uh, fragmented. Then it can be quite steady and slow where you feel a vibration. It's getting more and more. Oh, my God, it's becoming so much. Oh, it's loads of energy coming, and then you're out. So it's kind of like this steady acceleration up the hill. And then there is the sports car where there's almost no... It feels like there's no vibrational state, but there is. It's just very subtle, very quick, and you go shh, straight out, and you're out within seconds. Um, I've had one of those, which was accompanied by I had electrical, like felt like lightning bolts through my palms, and then I saw flashes of light, and then I was out of my body. I heard radio frequency. Some people say that radio frequency. And then I was out and I was shooting through the sky. And it was like the scene in Doctor Strange where he's going through the sky. Oh, my God. Exactly like that. Um, but not, not, it was safe. It was fine. So I know I can do an exit technique because I feel a vibrational state. I'm in bed. So I decide to do the rollout technique. So I roll my awareness as though it's really happening, like I'm really moving my body out to the side. And I roll out of my physical body. I think to sit up. As soon as I think sit up, I'm sat up. So it's a thought responsive environment. But I'm in my room. I'm okay. I'm out of my body. My body is lying on the bed. What should I go do now? Okay, fly out the window. So I fly out the window and I land in the street. And I remember with crystal clear clarity, there was these sunbeams coming down from the left-hand side of the sky. It was early morning. And there was a park opposite me across a road. And I could sense the dew on the grass over the other side of the road. So my senses were uh, hyper... um, I could zoom in to very crystal clear clarity. And then I looked down at my physical body. And when I looked down, I looked like the invisible woman. I had this flurry of translucent energy, a little bit like a mirage that could move and was malleable. So if I moved my arm, it was a bit like when light leaves a trail behind, kind of. And I do remember thinking, oh, my God, this is so cool. (laughs) Um, But I was like, okay, let's evidence this experience. So I made my way down the street and I go on for quite a while, a travelling, and I come to these crossroads. I see a house on the left-hand side. There's a green door with paint stripping off it with number 18. So I think, okay, crossroads, house, door, number 18. Okay, I'm going to remember where this is for when I come back to verify. I'm still here. I'm still in the experience. What should I do now? So I think, okay, I know. So I stand in the road or float in the road and I almost do a gesture of opening my arms and I say take me to Nirvana really loud like a command and all of a sudden the experience was out of my control some sort of unseen force picked me up and I started floating up 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 above the trees but before I got to the clouds I passed through what seemed to be some sort of thin layer of static or like a membrane so when I came out it felt like shifting from water to air you know when you're in a swimming pool and you rise up really slowly and you feel the rim of the water go from head down it felt like that as I passed through when I got to the other side of this kind of giant sheet of static in the sky 
I had lost my energy body. I had no sense of form or shape and I was just a floating point of awareness. Now, I didn't mention this before, but in an out-of-body experience, you usually have an energy or a light body. Sometimes it's called the subtle or the second body, but you can just be a floating point of perception. And that's what I was. And I found myself in a huge tunnel that filled the entirety of my perception. There was no up, down, left, right, no sense of space. And there was a white light at the end. And I found myself gravitating towards the white light, out of my control. I was still calm at this point, but I get halfway down and I become filled with fear. What's going to happen when I get to the white light? And what happened as soon as I felt scared? Back in my physical body, I sit up with a bolt, staring at my arms like this. My husband's lying next to me. We're both um, dream practitioners. It's one of our main self-development practices. So he wakes up knowing something's happened. He's going, what's happened? What's happened? And I go, I think I've just had an out-of-body experience. He goes, oh, okay, well done, well done. Rolls over and goes back to sleep. <laughs> I was like, What? I've just come out of my physical body. I just had this big experience. He's had them before. That's why he knew it was nothing to be alarmed by. Mm -hmm. um, but that day, I went back to the house on the corner of the street that I found, and I looked at the door on the left-hand side, and it was number 18, the same one as what was in my experience. I also looked at the tunnel of light, and as maybe many of your listeners know, it's actually quite common People have seen it in the near-death experience and some out-of-body experiences, this huge tunnel of light. And it was really, that was the experience, particularly seeing my physical body. Because when you see your physical body, or at least for me, when I'd self-identified with it for the entire of my life, made me realise I'm not limited to it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not limited to my physical body... Maybe there are other areas of my life that I'm not limited to either. In fact, maybe there are no limits, only possibilities and potential. And so that was a biggie for me. And I tried to go on doing the same work. I was a choreographer. I worked for the Royal Academy of Dance, Saddles Wells Theatre and ran my own company. But I couldn't go on doing the same work knowing what I knew now. So I decided to leave my company which was difficult because we'd spent four years trying to get an investment from a national governing body to roll out a program throughout the entire of the UK. We just got that funding. They'd offered it to us. And I turned around and said, no, thank you. <laughs> and I decided to leave and do a master's degree in transpersonal psychology, which is the study of consciousness, spirituality and psychology and how they correlate. And I took the academic route because I kind of see myself as like a sceptical mystic, mm -hmm. but I can't help it. I'm from Yorkshire. Two things you get when you're from Yorkshire, a no-nonsense attitude and a love of tea and cake. So, both yeah. Both good. Yeah, both good. <laughs> Amazing. What a beautiful way to end it. Thank you for telling that story. Thank you. And where can people find you? So jadeshaw.com yep. or just type Jade Shaw out of body experience into Facebook mm -hmm. or Instagram is modern soul travel with underscore in between. I drop free tips every week, uh, tips and tools. If you can't make it to a workshop okay. on my Facebook and on the Instagram. Amazing. I'll link yeah. that to the YouTube video too. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Jade, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.